Jennifer, how are you? It's so nice to see you. So I thought I would start just by, for people who haven't yet met you, um, to share a little bit about your amazing background and, and how you came to Portland in the first place. Yeah, sure. Well, um, first, thank you for having me as part of these talks and for thinking of me and including me among, you know, um, clergy and other members of the community here in Portland. I am very new um, to Maine. My family and I moved to Maine last uh, year in June, so June of 2019. And that is my husband, Alex, myself, and I have uh, Solomon, who is almost five, and Emilia, who is 18 months. I am originally from Argentina. I grew up in Buenos Aires, and I did my studies in Buenos Aires, and I was part of um, synagogue life from a young age, but not in an obvious, clear path. Uh, my family was really not religious at all. Um, and I always say it was kind of um, out of nowhere that my sister wanted to have a bat mitzvah. And you know, my older sister and I was the younger sister and I wanted to do the same thing because, but really for me, um, I fell in love with music. And um, at such a young age, I think for me, my musical awakening and my um, religious awake, my Jewish awakening kind of happened at the same time. I find uh, music so intrinsically part of my Jewish identity and how I go about expressing my myself Jewishly. Um, I moved to New York City in 2007. I became assistant cantor at, at Temple Israel of New York City, which is a congregation, a reformed congregation on the Upper East Side. And um, I was there for about five, six years. And then um, I met my I met my husband there and he wanted to continue his graduate studies. So we moved to Arizona for two years. I was there um, as well, you know, being part of the community. And then um, when that was done, I took a position in Denver, Colorado where I was for the past uh, five years prior to coming to Maine, I was the senior cantor at Temple Sinai, which is a large and over thousand family units congregation um, in Denver, a, you know, wonderful place. I feel like I'm one of those fortunate people that, you know, I left a really great city, Denver and the community is great mm -hmm. to move to another really great place. So I, I, I have no complaints. Um, uh, some might be curious at least, uh, that I, you know, I stepped down from such a big uh, uh, congregation and role. Um, and I came to Maine to be closer to family. My husband has family in the area and I have a sister, my only sister who lives in Montreal. And life had happened, you know, kind of very quickly for me in the past uh, five years with the birth of my children and also the passing of my own mother. And I was kind of on this autopilot, um, uh, path and it was it was just uh, it felt like a good time for me to to take a break uh, and come and um, you know figure out um, my my place and my the ways in which I can be a part of this community. And you've done so many great things, which we'll touch on. Um, for people who are less familiar, our our congregations 
don't have the infrastructure for canters right now um, locally. So some people may not be familiar with the role of the canter, how it relates to the role of the rabbi, what happens in a congregation where you have both of those positions. Often you'll find that congregations have a rabbi in a canter and that the role of the canter is anything and everything that has to do with um, uh, worship and spirituality through music in the in the life of a congregation. Over the years, uh, the role of the cantor has certainly uh, broadened and it has become a lot more teaching classes about uh, music in Judaism, but perhaps other topics as well. Often cantors have also a big role in uh, bar and bat mitzvah ceremonies as well as the process of preparing uh, bar and bat mitzvah students. Also, very often cantors either conduct or direct the choirs if a congregation has an adult choir or a children's choir. I see them as true partners, rabbis and cantors. I um, think it's still, um, to this day, a balance that is a work in progress. And I, I had a very, I am very grateful and lucky that I had experiences where I was given opportunities um, to do things that as a cantor perhaps uh, would be slightly more on the rabbinic um, bucket. I know that you've um, you've done again a lot of different types of outreach and engagement with our community. You've been um, singing sometimes at services. You came to the J to do um, our Shabbat with our with our kids several times, which is so nice. Um, and then last year you were doing uh, gatherings in person with people to do um, music together and and um, song leading with Moshe House and and others. Um, obviously, a lot of that has shifted to be virtual. Um, and you were also doing some outreach with PJ Library, meeting with families and, and getting to know people as an ambassador through that program too. As things have shifted since March, um, how, and I know there are unique challenges of presenting song and especially getting people to be able to sing together um, through this virtual medium. So how has that shift looked for you? What kinds of things have you been doing? The, the short answer is, I don't know. I am trying different things. In the world of cancers, we often talk about, you know, whether a piece is presentational or is particip participatory or, you know, if, if it's a frontal piece of music that we are um, engaging with the congregation, that we kind of are deliberately wanting them to have a moment to listen or whether we're looking for a moment to participate, to have them join in and all these dynamics so now it's it's just very very different even though i've been doing some full worship experiences i've i've kind of shifted my mindset from worship experience where the way we know it where there are all these pieces and all this uh, order to mm -hmm. prayer moments where mm. there's just the prayer perhaps there's just a prayer that can be transformed into a moment when i think about a, a mo a moment I think about you know kind of yes a rhythm a song a melody I think about the content I think about what's happening in my body and so some of those things I have been trying to use a little more um, so whether it is using really our breathing and kind of these guided breathing uh, opportunities and meditation so that there is a, a at least an awareness that we are all kind of doing the same thing, um, which is, I think, what we we want to know that we are all 
trying to do the same thing, even though internally, you know, we are all experiencing what we are experiencing. There is no transferring that, but we want to know that we are together. Well, I think uh, having participated in the healing service a couple of weeks ago, um, it makes so much sense to me to hear more of an explication of how you created the type of space that you did, because it is really powerful um, to sign on to something that usually it feels kind of two-dimensional um, on the Zoom, and then really to be able to have a sensory experience, a really communal moving experience. Um, I was so impressed and so and so moved that that was an option that you were able to create that space. So I think what you're doing is working really well. Um, it's, it's quite lovely. Um, I know you talked about maybe singing a song today. Would you like to, to do that now? Yeah. Okay, so the words are very simple um, and you'll be able to get them as I sing because they are in English. So yay, good for you. Uh, <laughs> and it is a song that um, Eliana Lights wrote. She's a Jewish singer, songwriter. for one thing and then it can be transformative in so many other ways and so when I shared this melody some months ago um, I was thinking about rising up to the challenges and the occasions that life is inviting us to to rise up to what's right to rise up to speak your mind to rise up to and you know and I was thinking about all that in the context of events of Black Lives Matter and um, so much more that is happening. And then today on this 
on this day, on this slightly gray day, um, after having gone through high holidays and just knowing that people were still, I think many of us are still um, experiencing emotions in such a um, intense and polarizing way. I mean, we're all having some really, really good days and then we're having some really, really, really difficult days. I think about I rise as it's just great that you got out of bed today. <laughs> good for you that you you're standing, you are making a meal for your family, you got a shower in there, you um, you know, you were able to um, give a hug uh, or place a call. You know, you're up, you're up and going one more day. And I think that that's true about this song and that's true about about prayer. So often um, I think this is what I love about music in prayer is that I feel like it unlocks various um, attributes and uh, they're all there and not that one is right and the other one is wrong. It's simply that a melody might help us unlock this other aspect that we just didn't necessarily um, think about or experience. I mean, it is healing, this this kind of emotional support of these songs at a time when you're having a hard time moving forward or you have questions that are unanswerable for a, a period. Um, I think there's something too so sort of democratic about a lot of the songs that you're teaching our community that it feels like they're they're accessible for any singer. They're songs that you could sing at bedtime. They're songs that you could sing through the day while you're doing other things. Um, it's not so ornate that it's only available for people who have specialized training. Um, I also, I also think though that sometimes we get used to the songs that we know and the melodies that we know. And I am sure as a cantor, you hear a lot of feedback from people saying, well, I like to sing this one way. And I, you know, learning a different way is hard sometimes. Um, how do you suggest people approach that question of balancing like very, very comfortable music with, with maybe opening up to some new, some new things? Cantor Ellen Dreskin, who is, um, um, a cantor in the reform movement and a teacher and a mentor and just such an amazing person. Chelsea's experience, she was teaching, uh, she was leading services and at the end of the service, somebody came up as it would be very frequent after services, people come up to the demand, they would tell you about the music and, and this congregant said, you know, I love services today and your voice and this music and everything, but I must tell you, cantor, that was I hated it. And she responded, I am sorry, that didn't work for you. But if you had looked at the person next to you, he, she, they were dancing and just expressing and feeling the melody. A couple of things about this anecdote, uh, whether it's real or not, I think, <laughs> I think it might have been real for, I mean, I never had that happening to me, but I can see that happening. I can see people thinking that even if they're not coming to me to say it. Um, music in worship has always been so controversial. And I would say up until recently, maybe it was the controversial thing that was happening on the Vima. And now I would say there are other things that have taken the, the spotlight uh, but you know why I love the choir I hate the choir I, I I love the instruments I hate the instruments 
that singer is too operatic, that singer is too folky. It's a, I can't relate to a female voice, I can't relate to a male voice. I mean, um, there's just so much about it. And, you know, it kind of isn't a right, wrong answer. All I would say is, um, I think that it, it's, both things need to live together. I think that people have these melodies that they grew up with and they love. And, and the melody is not just a melody. The melody is a moment. The melody takes them back to an experience. People have their right to have that and to treasure that. And, and we need to give that to them every so often. We, we need to make sure, you know, we know that they love that too. And, and, and maybe a different melody will open up a different opportunity to maybe even create a new experience. Or to have a new moment that they can hold on to. I wish I could be better at expressing this to people that um, my, my hope is that music can be that to prayer, that can allow us to look at those same words over and over again and, and have and, and just see the power of various things that are part of the prayer that sometimes can only be unlocked by by different tunes or different music um and actually have a musical uh, uh representation of what i just said oh great that great I just thought of perfect if you don't mind yeah awesome so there is the prayer micha moha which we sing and it takes us back to the moment of when we left egypt and we were free it's our reminder of the cost of freedom and the and the challenges and that people go through to accomplish that and and then ultimately such a celebratory moment when we get when the people of Israel get to the other side and Miriam picks up her tambourine and there's this outpouring of dancing and, and, and singing and praising that is in the form of song and so if I sing also that experience imagine just the sense of awe of that moment not the awe of an experience that is um, happy and exciting only but something that is beyond what I could have ever imagined something that was life of death pending there are so many other things that happened in that moment um, so if I sing
something completely different. It's not more or less true. It's just different. So that's my long answer to your question. I hope people will uh, um, embrace those melodies that they love, that they that bring a memory to their minds, that they'll pass those along to their, their children so that there is that continuity of memory making and music. It's amazing how that unlocks the layers of the story too, right? So it's the same, it's the same story, but the way that you emotionally connect with it is so different and the, the aspects of it that you appreciate is so different depending on the song. It's incredible. I think that level of awareness of how our worship impacts what we're feeling in terms of sensory experience, I certainly have never thought through that at all. I don't think that's something people often take the time to unpack. Um, I think we're familiar with Debbie Friedman and you know the, the sort of democratizing of some music and bringing more English into worship in some cases. Um, but it just, it seems like this is a whole other level of real appreciation for the, the functionality of music in our worship process and the sensory expression that it creates. It's what we cancers do. Um, it's it's um, the, the, the call and the art that we, that we involved in, you know, um, and I, I would never ask a congregant uh, to appreciate a melody that I presented because I like it so much. You know, it has nothing to do with it. Um, you know, we we kind of try to um, choose the template of what, what how we're framing the experience. What are the highlights that we want to put to create that you know spiritual path to open the doors for those reflections and connections to happen. And then people have make their own connections, and they love it, and they sometimes don't, and 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 that's okay. You know, that's why we then. Uh, you know, we always have another Shabbat, another hug, another opportunity to, you know, to, to make a difference. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much, Cantor. Um, you have, as I mentioned, several things that you've been working on through the high holidays. I know that you were doing some work with the Center for Small Town Jewish Life, which was amazing. Um, and do you have other things planned this fall? Or are you still seeing what arises? Exactly. I am, uh, Certainly, looking at more ways to to be involved and to be a part of uh, of the community and things that I want to offer. In addition, I've been doing some work with the um, the World Union for Progressive Judaism, which is the international arm of the Union for the Reform Movement uh, here in the, in the states, but it's a global organization. Well, we are so blessed to have you here and we'll certainly continue to follow whatever you're doing and, and try to um, amplify it so that as many people as possible can be aware of, of your amazing gifts and all that you bring. Um, I know a lot of people are, are still struggling and, and um, do feel challenged by this time. And I've been asking people what you find comfort in, where you turn. Um, are there particular artists or places people can find um, music that they may not yet know about? Wow, that's a great uh, question. So, I mean, number one, I would say make, you know, for people who have their top list of artists, you know, to really follow them on social media because people are putting out a lot of content and you and and just beauty in the world which i think you know beauty in the form of whatever that is is uh, brings 
it just brings so much comfort. Um, I think that um, at least the Center for Small Town Jewish Life has a lot of um, has offered. Or I think they they have a lot of uh, high, they highlight a lot of the work of the Hadar Institute, and they are an amazing source. Yeah, I mean, I have some, as always, I, I have people that I love, but I don't think that that's what this is about. There are people that I follow and that I really love, but I think that there are a lot of opportunities to engage uh, now um, virtually. It's a, it's a moment also of extreme creativity, which I'm not surprised. Mm -hmm. These are times when often creativity also is, uh, kind of explodes. So um, there is a lot of, of beauty that is being put out there. So yeah, I think people should really find what they are being drawn to and follow those. Kendra, thank you so much. Whenever I engage with you, I always feel so rejuvenated and um, kind of held. It's really, it's amazing the, the space that you create. And again, I think you do it virtually and in person equally well. So thank you so much for your time and for being here. And hopefully over the course of the year, you'll come back and we can talk about other things um, that are happening as we as we reopen and, and start to do more in person maybe next summer. Thank you so much. Thank you, Molly. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. This episode is produced by Sarah Richardson, music by Dustin Lavasser and Cantor Sheila Nessis. Visit our website at mainjewish.org. For questions or comments, feel free to email us at jca at mainjewish.org.